Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. In Jesus' name, I send forth the word into the hospital room of Pam's mother, and I declare her lungs are healed from pneumonia. I declare all infection to be gone. We drive it out in the name of Jesus, and we declare nothing but life, health, and strength into her body right now. Rise up and be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Well, that's a good word Brother Matt brought. Hallelujah. I'm just going to build right on it because that's what... That's where we're headed today. I'm glad that you're here. Amen. You're supposed to say me too. <laughs> hey, praise the Lord. Well, let me read you something from the book of John. Can I do that? John chapter 1. I'm going to be like truth. Well, then you, if you like truth, you like the Word, right? Yeah. You know, when, when studying the Bible, being a student of the Bible, you need to always remember three or four basic rules for, for proper Bible interpretation, and that is this. Who's doing the speaking? Yeah. Right? right? Who are they speaking to? Mm-hmm. What are they speaking about? Is it talking about the Old Covenant or New Covenant? Right? right. Yeah. And then read it all in context. Read it all in context. If you don't read it in context, you might just be conned. John 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, nobody else. Hmm. So if anyone should get the glory, it should be the one who done it all, right? Without Him, anything was not made that was made. In Him was life, still is. And that life was the light of men. The light shined in darkness, and the dark, darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. So we're not going to talk about John today. Well, let's go down just a few verses, because it's talking about Jesus. And in the 10th verse says, He, Jesus, was in the world, but the world, made, and the world was made by Him. So who is the world made by? Jesus, the Word. So the one who made the world came to the world and the world that he made and he came to the world, but the world knew him not. The world knew not its owner. He came to his own and not only did they not know him, they didn't receive him. But as many as us do receive him to them or to us, he gives us the power to become better people. Gives us the ability to turn over a new leaf. Huh? To as many as we receive him, he gives us the power to become religious. Huh? He allows us to join a denomination. Didn't say any of that, right? Would that be in context or that would, would that be a con? That'd be a con. Ralph said that's a con. Even to them which believe on his name. Believe on who, whose name? 
So it didn't talk about denomination, did it? Didn't talk about church, did it? Didn't talk about Sunday school. It didn't talk about your mother's belief or your grandmama's belief, did it? Nope. To many to receive him, you have been given the power and the privilege to be sons, not not cousins, not live in the neighborhood, be brought into his family. Just think about that. He he had he adopted you and brought you into his family. Yes. Amen. Amen. Now that make that would make you an heir, right? Yes. Right. And uh, as an heir, to know what's the inheritance would be, you'd have to look at the one of whom is going to do the uh, yeah doing all the giving on their on their side. Well, well, what does God own? The earth and everything in it, right? Yes. So you're an heir of everything, right? which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the Word, Christ, Jesus, the Word was made flesh, came into a human body. Dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father. He's full of grace, and He's full of truth. Yes. He's full of grace. He's full of truth. Yes. He doesn't know the truth. He is the truth. Yes. So He's full of it. Yes. So when I want to tell you you're full of it, it's okay, it's scripture right here. Just be full of grace and be full of truth, right? Now John bare witness of him and, and said, this was he of whom I spake. He'd been talking about one's coming. Now he said, this, this is the one I'm going to talk about. He's here. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, and he, for he was before me. And of his fullness. Now, I'm asking you, how do you interpret scripture? Because you can read other scriptures, and if you really interpret the scripture for what it says, you can go to Acts chapter 1. It says, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Did the Holy Ghost come upon you? Yeah. Is the Holy Ghost within you? Yeah. Then you receive the power. Yeah. Then what are you doing with it? <clears throat> so if you have the power, if we have the power, are we utilizing the power, or are we just saying we got the Holy Ghost? Yeah. The proof is in the fruit of it. It's in the pudding, right? Yes. So of his fullness we have all received grace for grace. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Amen. Hmm? Let me read these uh, because it's important for I'm going. Let me read this part from the Amplified from 16 through 18. It says, for of his fullness... Abundance, another translation says, for his superabundance. We have all received and we all have a share. We are all supplied with one grace after another. Spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, gift heaped upon gift. I mean, you got a heap. Are you here? Verse 17, amplified, for while the law was given through Moses, grace, which is Unearned, undeserved favor, and spiritual blessing and truth came through Jesus Christ. Next verse. No man has ever seen God at any time. The unique son only is the only one who's ever seen him, right? Yes. The only begotten God who's in the bosom of the intimate presence of the Father. And here's what Jesus did. He has declared him. Well, this is good. He hath revealed him. He hath brought him out. Amen. Jesus was the only one who could draw Jesus out. Yes. 
and reveal him where men could see him. <laughs> Brought him out, revealed him, and said, I'm going to put God on display. Woo! And where he can be seen, and he has interpreted him. Oh! Huh? Can you interpret another language? After I see if I can master English, I'll try, but no. He has interpreted him, his father, God of the universe, and he has made him known. Well, John was, you know, busy uh, baptizing folks and, and preaching the message, prepare the way of the Lord. And then Jesus shows up, doesn't he? Yes, he does. And, uh, and he asked John to baptize him. And, and when John saw him, the verse 29 and Amplified says, the next day John saw Jesus coming to him and said, look, he said, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen. Takes it away. Yes. Where's your sin? He took it away. Hallelujah. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 now. That's, that's our text for today. Matthew chapter 6. And we'll go from there. Matthew 6, 22, Jesus said, the light of the eye, or the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body should be full of light. And if thy eye be evil, the whole body should be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, so no man should need two wives. That's my translation anyway. <laughs> Let me skip over that verse. <laughs> verse 25, Jesus said, therefore I, take, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. <clears throat> That's an easy scripture to read, isn't it? Yeah. Those of you who have obeyed this fully, would you please raise your hand that you've taken no thought for your life in your lifetime? Yeah, me neither. Don't take any thought of your life asking or saying, what are we going to eat? How are we going to drink? Nor yet for your body, how shall we put it on? Is not your life more than what you need, right? The meat? Is not your life more than the body, than the raiment? Then he points us to the, you know, the fowls of the air and the birds, and he says, I feed them, and they don't, they don't, they don't store up, they don't do anything. And um, so he said, he said, aren't you better than a bird? Yes. Well, I hope so, right? Yes. Then he tells us not to worry. Why would he need to tell people don't worry? Because they worry. That's deep, isn't it? He said, if you worry, can you grow taller? But you can grow shorter because you can actually change your posture. Uh, the man who brought, uh, bought my motorcycle a couple weeks ago um, was up in the Bessemer Way, and I don't know why he brought it up. And Well, he was, it's, it's heavy. It's a heavy machine. It's just a little under 900 pounds. And, uh, and, Someone was a little get concerned I might be getting a little too old to ride. And I said, well, that's okay because uh, I sold it to a man 71, so don't worry about it. <laughs> and he wasn't worried about it. <laughs> but he told me, he said, I used to be uh, 6'1". But he said, last time I went to the doctor, he said, he said, I'm, he said I've shrunk. I said, he said, I'm 5'10". And uh, I said, well, you can fix that. 
I said, I said, I watched Barney Fife one time or on Andy, you know, Andy Griffith, and he had to qualify, you know, to, to keep his badge or whatever, and he needed to gain weight, and he had to be so tall, and he was, did you ever watch that, that particular show? And so Andy kind of had to help him out a little bit, and Aunt B tried to feed him so much and help him gain so many more pounds to qualify, and, he, and he, he was making a good go of it, but then he developed, you know, the hiccups, and then he couldn't eat food no more. So he, Andy got to looking at the qualifications, when they went to go weigh him in, he said he had to have a, his dog tags. Well, to have dog tags, you need a chain. But it didn't say what kind of chain, so they went and got a big old you know, chain and hid it under his clothes and put a little bitty dog tags on it. And they just showed the dog tag. But to get him taller, they found some type of apparatus, remember seeing it? And it fit around his neck like a collar, and they hung him inside of a closet you know, for two or three days, and they stretched him every day. So I told him, I said, you could hang yourself in your garage. I said, not literally. But something like that, you could be 6'1 again. He said, I may try that. I said, well, if it doesn't work, don't mention my name. <laughs> I don't want a prison ministry at the moment. So, Matthew 6, uh, Jesus asked the question. He said, if God were to so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? Won't he? And he's talking to people. He says, oh, you have little faith. He didn't say you had great faith. He didn't say it took great faith to get your needs met. He said, little faith does this, right? right. So he tells them the next verse. He says, so take no thought. And he tells us, how do you take thoughts? You take the thought by saying it. You take the thought by saying it. What shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal we shall be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. The Lord knows what you have need of. Yes. Amen. The Lord knows what's going on in your life. Yes. The Lord knows the things that's trying to capture your thought life yes. and the things that's come to grab your attention, the things that you're daily having to think about or deal with. And maybe you're not in a season like that, but sometimes if you live long enough, you'll have seasons where you're, you have things maybe not of your own doing, just people that you're connected with. But it, you know, it's... You know, some people wonder, well, why, why do these problems happen? Well, sometimes they're of our own making. Let's just be honest. Yes. You know, you don't have to raise your hand, but a lot of my problems have been self-inflicted. Yes. But not all of them. Sometimes they were inflicted by people that was uh, very close to me. Right? And their problem became my issue. Yes. Right? That's just the way life is. You can cry about it. You can do whatever you want to, or you can look for answers. <laughs> I found out in life, people who look for solutions find answers. Yes. And people who are looking to complain just do more of that. But if, you're, if you'll be solution-oriented, you'll get answers. Yes. Amen? Now watch here. So he said, he said, take no thought saying these things. But then he told us in verse 33, but seek first, not second, not third, not when you get around to it. Seek what? First, the kingdom of God, and seek his righteousness. Everything that we are to do and everything that we're to be about is, is the kingdom of God. Amen. Jesus came and introduced the kingdom. He, brought, he introduced the God of the kingdom and he brought him out where he could be seen and be revealed. You know, Philip never answered, didn't understand it for a long time. He said, I've been with you all this time, Philip, and you're still asking me to show you my father. Remember when Philip asked him that? He said, Whatever, when, when you're seeing me working, when you're seeing me you know, ministering, when you're seeing me laying hands on sick people, he says, you're seeing the Father. Yes. I don't do the works, he does the works. Yes. 
So whatever I'm doing, this, it's really the Father that's doing these things. So seek first the kingdom of God, His righteousness, and then all these things just get added to you. Yes. Amen? Amen. So it was important in Matthew 6, 22, he talked about the light of the eye. <clears throat> he talked about understanding and keeping that light in so that darkness cannot invade your life. Don't let darkness invade your thinking. As a man thinketh in his heart, that's the person that he is. And everything starts when we come to the place, I'm talking about to believers, starts in the place of in the spiritual, doesn't start in the sense of your, your life will move along at the right pace when you understand that there's the spiritual side. And if you approach things in a spiritual way, you'll get amazing results. We talked about in our last lesson Wednesday about Adam and Eve and how when they disobeyed God, then, you know, because the serpent came and he just does what he does, he just deceives. He just takes what God said and twists it around. And he said, well, who said you can't eat this? And he said, well, he said we can eat of any tree, but we can't eat the fruit of this one. And then he said something that God didn't say. He said, well, that's not so. He said, look. He said, look at it. It's good to eat. He said, it's good fruit. It's good to eat. And God knows if you eat it, then you're going to have all this knowledge that he's holding back from you. But if you eat this fruit, you'll know good and you'll know evil and you'll know everything that God knows. So they partook of it. And immediately, the promise that God gave them happened just like that. They died spiritually. And the first thing that they noticed was that they were naked. And when God came to see them and to fellowship with them, because some people say, well, God wrote them off. No, God came looking for them. People say, well, you know, God turned his back on them. Well, what, what do you mean turned his back on them and came looking for them? That's right. Did he back into them? <laughs> right? Adam was hot, hid, and, he, and the Lord said, why did you hide yourself? He says, because I was afraid. Well, that's the first time he'd ever been afraid. Why? Because he sinned. And sin makes us cowards. But there's no condemnation of those in Christ. Right? right? And if our heart condemns us, God's greater than our heart, Scripture says. So he said, I, I, I was afraid and I was naked. And God said, you're what? He said, I'm naked. He said, God said, who told you you're naked? And Adam's like, well, I, I didn't have to ask nobody. <laughs> I mean, it, it seemed like a, the right answer for the question. But apparently it wasn't. God said, I did tell you he was naked. So where do you get your information? Who's giving you this information that I never told you? Did I ever tell you he was naked? Well, let me ask you this. Did, 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 did Adam have on a pair of Levi's and then they disappeared? No. Was he even wearing the toga that we know of? No. no. Did the boy have on, on any clothes at all, no. ever? No. None. Was Eve concerned that Adam would see another woman that way? She had no concern because there was no other woman. <laughs> that was one sin neither one of them was going to fall into. <laughs> right? Just him and her. Get along. <laughs> That's how two people can get along. Give them no options. <laughs> you could work your problem out if there's nowhere to go. <laughs> you just wanted, didn't want to work it out because there was somewhere else to go. And we're moving right along. That's not my message. So he said, who told you you was this way? He said, well, I, I, I'm naked. But he was clothed. He was always clothed. He was just clothed in the glory. And when you get into the place where you're not operating the spirit, then there's only one place you can operate, and that's in the flesh. And then when you're in the flesh, you see everything through the, through, through the natural senses, the five senses. Every, every, all your knowledge comes through the five senses. Right. Yes. Touch, taste, feel, all, all of it. That's, so Adam went from revelation to information. Yep. And he lived his life in information. Yes. He was subjected to that because of being in the flesh. So everything he learned from that point forward was nothing but information. And that's the same way we can live today. 
We're born of God, ch children of God, given grace, gift heaped upon heat. But, but, but if we choose not to walk in the spirit as sons of God, then we're going to live by the flesh and we're going to just live through our senses. And we're not going to live by faith because we're going to say, I can't do this because I don't have enough money. I can't go this because I don't have enough education. And, and the Lord would say, who told you you didn't have enough money? Who told you you didn't have enough? Well, I just feel stuck in life. Who told you you were stuck? Did I tell you you were stuck? Or did you get that? You got it from your flesh. Y'all don't shout me down now because I'm doing such good preaching. Huh? So I want to talk about righteousness because this is something that you always, I mean, if, if, one, if, the, if there's one subject the Lord's given me more to teach about throughout the years than anything else and keep in front of people is about their righteousness and their position of righteousness. Now, everything, everything about this subject, faith, whatever, righteousness, in and of itself is not the main issue. Your righteousness, holiness, faith, whatever, everything comes out of the love of God. Amen. If there's one subject more important than everything, it's the love of God. Amen. If, you don't have, if, if you don't understand the, the love of God towards you and, and uh, His love towards you, not, not, not just our love towards Him, but the Father's love towards you. Yes. Most of our, I think most of our sermons, not that they're wrong, but most of our, when we hear about love, we hear about us walking in love and us loving one another, right? But we need to hear more about how the Father loved us. Because see, I can't give you what I don't think I have. That's right. Right? Amen. I, I can't. But when I understand the, the love of God towards me and how he loved me in spite of everything. I always say your best friends in life is the ones who knows everything about you and they still like you. Hmm? That's why I don't think a lot of people have that many quality friends of that level. I've had situations happen in my family for a few years and I had ministers who would not come preach anymore because those situations happened. And I said, thank you for telling me. Appreciate that. You know, and it's just, it, it, it kind of floored me yeah. coming from certain people. And I was like, wow. I mean, you can't come ministry anymore because of something a kid of mine done or didn't do or anybody's kid. But if, but if, if you're ministering the gospel and you're the pastor, then you welcome any of those kind of people into your church to help them, right? Well, sure, we're supposed to. And my, and my child's supposed to be on the outside? <laughs> See, now, now, you don't have to go to Bible school to figure that out, do you? Right? Well, this one shouldn't have done this, and this one should have worked this out, and this one. I said, yeah, we all should. We, we all should have. But after a while, you might as well quit shouldn't on people. Because how many of us people don't always do what they should have? So you can shit them all you want to. I hope you all heard that right on Facebook. Should. S-H-O-U-L-D. But I was kind of making a point. Okay? So people won't always do what they should. I didn't. I haven't. Huh? My wife went to the beach for three days and left me. She should. You shouldn't have done that. <laughs> She's watching. Hey, Michelle. But don't ask me, did I stay on my diet? Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. <laughs> she Praise the Lord. Well, it's spring break week. Hallelujah. 
So how we position ourselves in the righteousness of God, you see, determines how the kingdom works for you. How you position yourself in his kingdom determines how well this kingdom business works for you. I don't think a lot of you got that. Think about it. Say it again. How you position yourself in the righteousness of God always determines whether anything in God's kingdom works for you. So your position in righteousness determines um, whether your righteous life works because righteousness is not, a, is not a doctrine, it's not a teaching, it's not a sermon, it's not a message. Righteousness is a person. Amen. Jesus the what? Righteous. So you, you have received Jesus' righteousness, but you, you need to receive his, the person of righteousness. When you, when you receive him, you receive his righteousness. His righteousness was imputed into you. So when you receive him and his righteousness, you have just put on sonship. Amen. Now you can hear anything he says. Because you can read, you don't understand this, then you can take a, one verse out of context and say, Jesus said, well, my sheep hear my voice. And the voice of a stranger will not follow. That's the true verse, but you got to read all of it in context. But when you don't know who you are and you're in condemnation all the time and you feel guilty all the time and when you make mistakes, you think God's out to get you and pay you back, you won't be hearing from him because he doesn't even talk that stuff. Hmm? And most of us kind of, not everybody, but a lot of us grew up in a church where as Christians, we, we did wrong. Someone told us God's going to pay you back. And if he was going to pay you back, he would have already paid you and you'd be dead. Because in the Old Testament, when he paid people back, they couldn't find them anymore. <laughs> right? They just earthed the up, one up, swallowed them up, you know, just gone, whatever. They were stoned or whatever. And so it's how we live this life is how we understand our righteousness. If you feel guilty this morning, if you're a born-again believer and you feel guilty, now I understand that the, you understand the Holy Spirit, First John 16 says the Holy Spirit comes, and one thing that he does is he convicts us, not, not condemns. The Holy Spirit never condemns, but he convicts us. When, when we do something wrong, we, I'm making a point, so I should, have had, I should have had you turn to it, but go read it in John 16 uh, so that you'll know that... I'm talking it in context. John 16 said, when the Holy Spirit convicts us, and there was, we, we make a mistake, he reveals that to us, right? I think most time we know when we make a mistake. But there are some times that we make a mistake and we hadn't realized we made a mistake. I've done that many times. I've done that before just talking about a certain situation in the next day or that afternoon. I, would, I didn't even realize what I said and leaving that conversation, or sometimes a day or two later, uh, just seems out of nowhere, out of no context, not out of prayer. Just hear the Holy Spirit speak to me. And he says, that what you said yesterday is words that should never have come out of your mouth. And it comes more out of speaking against people. Hmm? Even if you're right and they're wrong, you're not their Savior. You're not the Lord. Huh? So <clears throat> I, I learned a long time ago, so I've been pastoring 23 years, so I learned a long time ago, I'm not going to fix everybody. 
And the reason why, because I'm not fixed myself completely, right? So I can't fix you. And I found this out real quick. Not everybody wants to get fixed. And sometimes, we you know, it's just we, we, we have this idea of uh, fixing people. Like, you know, we're going to fix them. It's kind of like a mechanic. You know, they put the car on a, on a horse, you don't take it up, and they start working on it. And that's what somehow we get an idea. I'm going to work on them. We'll, so we'll lay down there. I'm going to put you on up there. And, it's, yeah, and I'm just going to get some tools out and work on you. Well, most people don't want to be worked on. When God worked on Adam, he put him to sleep. Now, that's an idea. I hadn't thought about that. Put them to sleep, right? So as a born-again believer, if you feel guilty, something's wrong. You shouldn't be living in guilt. Right. Hmm? Correct. I was reading a book the other day by Roland, uh, oh, what's his last name? Uh, Roland Buck. He's in heaven now. He used to be Assembly of God pastor. He had many encounters with angels. Uh, I think 20-something appearances. So I'm not going in whether you believe it or not. I'm just telling you this story. Do what you want to with it. It was the the book was forwarded by Charles and Francis Hunter, so they knew him well, and and they they said this is a must read, and he's he's been in heaven since the 70s, but he you know he's he's seen Gabriel and um, knew names, learned a lot about angels, uh, messages was given to him, things that would happen, people that he would meet within one year. And the services that he would have, and then when that service happened, exactly what he saw, you know, happened. But he said one thing when he went to heaven was, he, he, he had this vision where he went to heaven, and the angel was showing him how, because one of the questions he had was, does God really have a plan for all of our lives? Because there's, there's just a lot of people on the earth. And does God really have an individual plan for everyone, or is he just kind of just like, you know, go down there and have a life and do good and you know I'll see you when you get up here and uh, he said no God has a plan for your life he says come and I'll show you the angel took him to the, the book room and then the book was everybody everyone who's born again and their names in the Lamb's book of life and it, they pulled out books and it was the plan for their life and it showed what, why they were here and what the, what the purpose for their life was and he says you can't read your book because there's things that you don't need foreknowledge of uh, he says, um, but he said, here's a book you're interested in. He said, and he pulled out Abraham. And he was reading Abraham's life. And he knew as a person, a pastor, a teacher about Abraham. So he read the book and he, he said, so this is, there really is a book for all of us. And he said, yeah. So he said, but, uh, <clears throat> but where's the other book of Abraham? He said, there is no other book. He said, well, this, this book's not complete. He said, where's the one that records his mistakes and failures? You know, like he told him not to go to Egypt, and he did. He lied and said his wife was his sister, you know, so they wouldn't kill him. You know, and then he, you know, they brought the Hagar thing and all that. He said, where's the, where, where does it show and record his mistakes? And he said, uh, the Lord doesn't record mistakes. Amen. Which I personally enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I saw that years ago. I know I preached it here. But I, I just I saw that years ago because um, I was reading in Genesis about Abraham. And, and we know where God called him out from his father's house. Go to a land that you don't know. Right. And then he gave him instructions. He said, he says, uh, so he goes, he takes his family, takes a lot with him. The Lord never told him, took a lot, took a lot with him. And then he says, uh, and first thing he says is, he says, don't, he says, just don't go to Egypt. Go to a city and I'll show you where it is. As you, as you go, you'll know. 
but just don't go to Egypt. And Egypt's the first place he went to. Now, how hard is that to understand? I'll show you where to go, but just don't go to Egypt. And it's the first place he struck at it. And then as they were getting there, he realized Sarah, I mean, Abraham was 75 when he left his wife's house. So Sarah was 65, I think, I think she, when she 10 years younger, yes. somewhere about there. But he, he says, Sarah was such a beautiful woman that he knew that when he got close to Egypt, the king's people would see her and he would want to put his wife in a, with his harem of women. And they knew that they would, Abraham knew, he said, they'll kill me because my wife's beautiful. So, man, if you're 65 years of age, male or me, and, and you're afraid someone might kill the other one because you're so beautiful, I mean, get me some Abraham faith working up in here, all right? <laughs> so, anyway, well, I mean, that's not a common problem among most people, right? And so, uh, so he devised a plan. He said, please just tell them you're my sister because they'll kill me and they'll take you. So she lied with him and all that. And she lied for him, and then, you know, he did take her. The king did, and brought her into his harem, and when he went to go to try to be with her, uh, the Lord revealed himself to this king in such a way, he said, this woman is not his, his sister, his wife, and he's my man. And he told the king, if you touch her, I'll kill you. Now, if he hadn't gone to Egypt, they wouldn't have to do all that. But the Lord's still working with this man who, who won't follow directions. Yes. Right? Well, I mean, I, I mean, I love Abraham, you understand. I want to meet him, but the man didn't follow instructions. Well, I hadn't followed some. And don't look at me, some of you ain't followed some. <laughs> you know, we could talk. <laughs> so he didn't follow the instructions fully, and so he, he got himself in trouble. And, uh, you know, then they tried to take the plan of God, you know, to, for Isaac to come. And from the, from the seed of Isaac, Christ would come and all this. And, you know, they're waiting and nothing's happening that they can tell. And so they finally devised a plan, you know, to have a child. And she says, hey, you know, we're old and I can't have children. And why don't you just take my handmaid? And she says, and just take her, let her lie with you tonight, and she'll be pregnant, and, and this will be our child. And this man of God said, well, you know, yeah, sure. sure. Like, <laughs> this is the father of your faith. <laughs> this is the father of your faith. You know, he didn't say, well, I don't know if that's right. I wouldn't feel right. He said, sure, where's she at? You know, just bring, bring her here. Just like, sure. <laughs> he was on the flesh side. I'm just going to tell you he was on the flesh side. And so when you get into Galatians chapter 4, there's a contrast teaching about that. And it talks about the promised, uh, the promised child or, the, or the, the child of flesh. And that's what uh, Ishmael was referred to, the child of the flesh. In other words, the child of man's doings. Man worked this out. It's a man work. It's not a God work. It was a man. And, that, and it's always been a problem because of Ishmael. And in the world today, in the Middle East, it's still a mess because of that work of flesh. It's still there. And so we still have those, those issues today. So we are to, to come to this place to where we understand our identity is in Him. Um, one, one of the best scriptures in the world to always keep in front of you is, is always Galatians 20, uh, or Galatians 2.20. And it says, Paul said, he was crucified with Christ, remember? Yes. He, said, uh, he said, nevertheless, of course, he said, you know, I live. He said, yet not I. Amen. 
So you can skip over words sometimes and not even get the import of the scripture. So he symbolically saying, when Christ died, I died. He died for me, right? right. He said, of course, you understand, I'm, I'm, I'm alive, yet it's not I. Amen. You're looking at me, but you're not looking at me. <clears throat> you're looking at him. Jesus said, through me, I'm bringing the Father out. You're, gonna, you're, you're about to see the Father. I'm the only one who knows him, and I'm going to put him on display where the whole world can see him. Yes. Paul said, it's me in, in the flesh that you're familiar with, but it's yet not I, but it's the crucified Christ and his, the, the resurrected Christ. He said, that's who you really that you're looking at. You can't do that unless you identify yourself with him. So when you identify yourself with him, then it's no longer your life, it's his life. Right. It's no longer your strength, it's his strength. It's no longer your faith. So Paul said, he said for me to live, is, he, he didn't say for me to live as like Christ, which would be a worthy goal. He said for me to live is Christ. Did you get that? Yeah. I mean, it'd be a worthy goal to say I'm living my life like Christ. That sounds like a worthy goal, but that's never what he said. He said for me to live is Christ. That's stronger than dirt. <laughs> I'm just telling you, for me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. So he said, it's not Saul of Tarsus. It's not the Apostle Paul. He said, for me to live is Christ, the one who's crucified for me. And uh, so as he lived, it was just the expression of Christ's life through him. I want you to go with me to, if you will, to uh, uh, Galatians chapter 2 real quickly. Galatians, the second chapter. And we're going to read verses 16 through 21. And it says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. I can't do enough. I don't know enough to do. I can't do worthy enough. Doing the works of the law, because the law was given by a man, Moses, I can't do enough works in my own ability, right, to be justified. See, so Paul says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall very few people be justified. Huh? Did it say very few? So who can be justified by God by keeping all of God's commandments. No one. No one can be justified by God by keeping all the commandments. And you never knew a man who did, or woman. Now watch here, verse 17. For while we yet seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? No, God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I was quoting the scripture just a moment ago, right? Yet not I live, yet it's not me. I'm crucified with Christ, so I died with Christ. But you see me, he says, but you see I live, yet you're not seeing me living. What are we seeing then, Paul? You're seeing Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in this flesh body, 
I live by what? The faith of or in? You're living in the faith of God. So you're operating always when you're praying, when you're ministering, when you're living life. You've never prayed for anyone. And this will help you with the results. It'll, it, it'll take your results from almost nothing to getting godly results. Just understand that when I'm praying, it's not even me. I don't have a faith. My faith is his faith. So what I'm releasing on them is him. I can't put Eric on them because it's not I. It's the Christ. So I'm releasing Christ into them. Now, what would that do to your confidence? I could give you several stories of what happened to me when I understood this, and it's like, oh, we're about to do anything. Hmm? Because if, I mean, if it's not really me anymore, you know, if, if the Lord gives me his checkbook, are we going to pay for it this way? Oh, we, we, we're going with shopping. Right? I'm not even keeping a register. <laughs> right? Forget the register. Just zip the card. Huh? So he said, it's, it, I'm, I'm, you now live in the flesh, but you live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. Who did he love? Me. He loves who? Me. Say that. Say, Christ loves me. Christ loves me. Watch here. He gave himself. You see that? I mean, I know you see it. I'm not bringing out any Greek or Hebrew. Look, he loves who? The Christ, the Son of the God, the creator of all the universe loves you. And then the architect of the entire world loves you and gave himself for me, for you. So whether you preach righteousness or you preach in Christ messages or you're preaching healing, you can't never, you, you may not even be ministering on love, but you really are. Amen. In your thinking, you should always have one foot planted always in the love of God. If, you, if you're teaching on the book of maps or the Beatitudes, because you're rooted and grounded in love. Love is the expression, expression where all the nature of, of God comes forth. The compassion of Jesus. You can get people healed and never preach a healing message. You never have to preach a healing message to get people healed. All you have to do is release life and in that life is all the love of God. Okay? So many people have a false identity. And then uh, let's go to Galatians 3. 10 through 14. Y'all doing all right? Yes. You having fun? Yes. Now, if you want to be entertained, I'm not here to entertain. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that good of an entertainer. <clears throat> but if you like to be Bible taught, word taught, you can grow. Yes. Right? Amen. You can become strong in the Lord. Yes. But just having someone say, <laughs> well, that's, I like all that too. That's exhortation. But, but I, I needed to have some meat and all that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's 
I mean, what am I going to do by paying my bills on Monday? <laughs> if I didn't learn nothing on Sunday. I like all that. And don't ever go watch a white man hoop because he can't do it. <laughs> I know if you think they can, they can't do it. No, just, they, they ain't got the DNA to do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, yesterday, preachings will excite you. It will exhort you. I mean, but you, you're, you're going to need some information. If, you, if you're trying to get somewhere that, that you don't know where you're going, you, you ever been on the road and using your phone sometimes? And you're, and you're I mean, this is not Jemison where you can, you know, it's one cow and then another cow way down the road. I mean, I'm talking about your traffic. Uh, I was coming out of Atlanta this week, you know, in the six lanes, and I was needing some information. And uh, I looked for the cars behind me and went from there to the rest of the world. And I'm like, I need some talk, girl, now, because <laughs> I need to make a decision quick, right? And, uh, and she's not talking. And then when she finally talks, i got to try to get over through all this, all this traffic and stuff. And so <clears throat> I didn't need to come on hooping. Well, take your car a little to the left. <laughs> no, I, I need to know how much further for that guy. <laughs> When we get through all this, you know, I'll turn on the radio station, and then we'll have a good time. But right now, I need some information. <laughs> Y'all with me? Yes, sir. No, if I made you mad, you have to forgive me anyway. You can't get to heaven if you're mad all the time. Hallelujah. Galatians 3, 10 through 14. For as many as of the works of the law, so if you're working the law, or if you're working and you're, and you're trying to be good, to, because people would say, well, I'm not, I'm not under the law. I know that now. I'm not trying to work the law. I know that now. Well, we're not in the sense of we're saying, well, I've read all the Ten Commandments every day, twice a day to make sure I'm not trying to do something. No, it, it's just the attitude of it. Because uh, I know I've shared this with you before. I mean, I didn't even see it's all entraced in my behavior. Patterns. It just clears the bell. I never thought about this. If the Holy Ghost hadn't told me, I would have never saw it. He said, uh, you can pray all you want to. He says, but you pray, you've prayed all this time because you think I'll owe you a good service tomorrow. I said, uh, oh. He said, then when you bring your tithe and you put it in the bucket and your offering, do you think I'm compelled? Because in other words, you think I owe you something. But I gave it all before you even you saw the bucket. Anything that we do that we think puts God in a position to react to us, you're under the law. If you do anything waiting for the reaction of God, if, if, if my action, action equals God to act on, any, on, on my behalf in any way, I, I'm under a curse. Now, I, you say, well, you're, I'm a what? You're, you're under the curse. If I'm doing anything in action to get a response to God, yes. you're, you're under the curse. You're cursed. That's strong talk, ain't it? Yes. But you, you don't think I would say that if I didn't have scripture for it, do you? Now, notice I won't be going back to the book of Amos for this. Or Philemon's third little sister on the, on the mother's side. No. Now watch here. <clears throat> well, let's go to verse 9, then 10. So then, they which be of faith, how many is that? 
all of us, right? We are what? Blessed with faithful Abraham. For many as are of the works of the law are under the what? Well, can, can we go? Y'all do. Can you take me to the Amplified? Let's just get a little clearer up in here. All who depend on the law or your actions, all those who are seeking like approval or to be justified by your obedience to the law, you're under a curse. You're doomed to disappointment and destruction. The room just got quiet. <laughs> huh? See, the Lord doesn't owe us anything. Now, I, I grew up in a mainline denomination. And when people got no trouble, they say, we, we want to uh, all pray for sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so. They're in a bad way. And we're going to ask the Lord to intervene. It sounded spiritual. But, but what do you mean by intervene? Huh? That means we got a problem. We need God to come help with it. As if he ain't done nothing. Right? I mean, uh, am I missing it? Tell, tell me if I missed it. I mean, wh what do you mean we need the Lord to intervene? I mean, so you're, I'm, a, I'm assuming you're thinking he hasn't because of your situation, right? Maybe we need to find out what he did. Now, what to make that clear to you is you ever go read Ephesians 1, New Testament, where Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. It's a Holy Spirit prayer, so it, it belongs to the church at Jemison, or from where are you from? And, and what Paul prayed was not that God would intervene. He didn't pray that God would do something. He didn't pray that God would help you. He said, I want you to understand that I'm praying for you that you would understand what God has already done, Amen. not what you might get him to do. So on this side of the resurrection, we have a resurrected Christ who has, who has, fill, has fully finished this covenant. It's called the finished work of Christ. Finished. Amen. Finished. Man, when you pay the car, quit sending the check. Well, I'm just used to paying them every month. Well, send it to me then. If you need to send it somewhere, send it to Eric West. And I'll take it as long as you feel great about it. And bless you in Jesus' name. Right? But when it's finished, you can stop. Right? That's called the place of rest. It's the finished work of Jesus Christ. And that's where we're supposed to be living. Amen. Finished. So if I'm doing whatever I'm doing, and you have to watch that because you say, well, I, I'm not trying to keep the Ten Commandments. I, I, I see they've been fulfilled in Christ, and I know they were for the Jews, not even for the Gentiles. I, I get all that. But see, it, it's, just, it's just laid into our, it, it's how society works. See, you don't work at Grace Incorporated. Grace gives you undeserved favor. But you show up for, for work late. If I work for Nathan, and I come to Nathan Paint Body, and he hires me and says, this is what I'm going to need you to do. This is what your job's going to be. And he shows me that, and if I know how to do it, great. Or he's going to train me how to do it and all such as that. And he says, you do this, and this is what I'll pay you. And I say, yes, sir, I agree. I thank you for the job. And for the first week, I show up every day late for two hours, and I really don't have an excuse. Is it possible he fires me? Oh, yes. Is it, Nathan, is it possible that you might let me go? Possible. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> now, 
His son knows that it ain't going to take five days. Because <laughs> I can read eyes and body language. <laughs> it ain't going to take no five days, right? Because it's Nathan's patent body. It's not Grace Incorporated. So God's better to you than you are to you. And God's better to the people that you don't like who's done you wrong than, than you want to do to them. So we don't, we, don't, we, don't work, we don't live this way and we don't think this way. In other words, the world's idea of being kind in love is you're kind to me. I'm going to do something kind for you. You give something to me, I'm going to give something back to you. You say something nice to me, I'll say something nice to you. But you, you slap me, Bob, I may slap you. You spit on me, it's coming. Right? That's not the love of God. That's just a... That's just being kind in the world. That's the flail type of love where you just, an action for an action. But the love of God, God says, my love is this. He said, I I let the rain fall on everybody because I love all my people. And it's my love that I'm trying to draw them in by. Right? Not threats. See, God could threaten any human he wanted to long enough because he's got, he's bigger and he's stronger. He's got lots of power. So he could change any human's mind and, and make them say the sinner's prayer. You ever played uncle with someone bigger than you as a kid? Twist your arm behind your back till you said uncle? God could get an uncle out of any of us. If it was just his, 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 over physicality, just, and we'd say, he'd say, say the sinner's prayer. I confess my sin. I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. Then they'll let you go. Now he knows you really love him. He doesn't want that. He wants a relationship. So he didn't want Ten Commandments. That's stone. How do you have relationships with stones? Hmm? So he said, I put me, what those stones represent, my righteous nature that's on them stones, I'll just come in into their heart and take out the stony heart and put them in a heart of flesh. And then I'll just talk to them. The words that's on that, I'll talk to them. I'll, I'll be that to you every day. And you won't need someone to teach you that because I'll teach you myself every day. When you're walking through the park, when you're eating your Captain Crunch, when you're doing this, you're taking your shower, I'll just be in there. We'll have fellowship. You can't have fellowship with two stones. Hmm? So the idea of two stones and Ten Commandments was never God's idea. It was just to help man see that I can't, of my own ability, be righteous on my own ability. I need a Savior. And once you realize that, the, the law did its job. So we're not gradually becoming righteous. Once you receive Christ, you're all the way there. Hmm? Now you're trained in this area. I understand all that. But there's something still to build on here. But there's a lot of people that have been trained in that. So when when someone accepts Christ, they're 100% righteous. Now did I say their behavior was 100% righteous? Hmm? So there's still some things we can learn, right? When you went to school, you took you, they gave you math, right? Did they give it to you first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade? Yes. Yeah, there was, there was different levels of math all through school. I mean, you leave there, go to college, there's some more math. So you can still build on this, but you can't become any more righteous than you are now. The more you study your righteousness, your position in Christ, you can become more aware of your righteousness, but you can't become more righteous. Why? Because... He imputed his righteousness to you. Amen. So when we focus on behavior, then we're just living a legalistic type of life, performance-based, kind of a, uh, a Christian life. Now, 
our life can't even really necessarily be built on Christian values. It's good to have good values, but that's not what he said build your life on. So our life's not built on Christian values. Our life is built on Christ. Not values. Christ. Our life, because our life is Christ. Say it with me. Our life life. is Christ. Christ. See, in Christian, they have life is a Christ. They have great values. But you can't build a life based on values. I hope you understand what I'm saying. There's, I'm just trying to make a bigger point. I want to make a bigger point to you. Your life is Christ. When you, when you get that, you'll have the values. Some people just, there's some sinners that are unsaved that have really, they're great, they're great people. They're very nice people. They would sometimes do more for you than Christians would do for you, to help you. But they don't have Christ in their life. And so values don't take you to heaven. So as we abide in Him, His righteousness is then expressed through your lifestyle. Jesus said, apart from Him, we can do nothing. We can preach and teach and witness and give and feed the hungry and do a thousand more things just like that. But in God's eyes, all that adds up is to zero if we're not abiding in Him. So the gift of righteousness means this. Righteousness just means this. That I am 100% right with God. That I am justified. Same thing. Righteousness, justified really means the same thing. Break the word justified down. It means just as if I'd never sinned. What if you'd never made a mistake? Anyone like me ever had to come back from a mistake? That's the reason why you get more of this color hair. I didn't have to buy this color in a bottle. <laughs> hmm? You don't want to make as many mistakes. Because you figure it takes so much, sometimes so long to come back just where you were at. Right? So if you're, you know, people say, well, if you're old, you're wise. No, there's such a thing as old fools too. But <laughs> that's, what, that's even worse. Huh? So you want to make less of those situations so you don't have this full circle go around. And but if we're abiding in Him and we're abiding in His righteousness, that you know that just means there's nothing separating us between us and the Father. That means you have a good standing with Him. Yes. I can walk into my mother's house anytime as a grown an adult. I didn't do this, but I could. Well, I have, but I didn't normally do it. But I knew I could have it anytime. I could just go to the refrigerator anytime I wanted to. Open the refrigerator. If there was something in there, I could just get it out. Could you do that with your parents? Yes. If there was cookies in the cookie drawer and they used it with something, because my dad has some stuff. I wouldn't go to the drawer. I'd go to his mattress, look on the mattress, and say, well, there's a whole selection of Little Debbies and all that. He's <laughs> like, whoa, if the store runs out, they can call you. <laughs> and, um, and I could just partake of it. Why? Because I had a right standing. I was the son of Roy West. I was the son of Darcy West. I had a right to go in there. I could come to the throne room of Christ and receive whatever I needed. I could go to the home. There was different times in my life. I just, I needed help. Didn't want to. I just go ask my dad, is there any way I can, you could let me have some money for a while. He says, absolutely can. I thought he was going to say, <laughs> but he said, absolutely can. He says, how much you need? 
it's a little bit up there. What if I got it? He said, if I have it, it's yours. And I knew there's time. I remember one time he gave me $2,600, and I said, That's, I don't want to take He says, it's just sitting here. I don't need it. You need it. You go do what you need to do. You take care of this because you got those kids. You know. And I felt kind of, I mean, I was happy in one sense, you know, and the needs met, but then I'm like, man, I'm just like, I shouldn't even be coming here. But you know what? He's my father. And if my father could help me, my natural father, that's what Jesus said. He said, even natural men here want to do good by their kids. How much more? Amen. See, God's not looking to take away. He's looking to add to. He's not looking to exclude you because you made mistakes. You can learn from the mistake, but the better way to learn from mistakes is not do them, then learn, is to come here, then learn, then avoid them. You don't have to test the word to see if it's right. It is right. right. If you're really smart, you'll just say, he said this is not good. And the reason why I said don't do it is because it's not good. If you're just taking his word, just don't do it. Then you won't have to say, well, I've got to test everything. No, no, you don't. You really don't. I was coming back from Atlanta, and I'm sitting up in, in my truck, and I was just looking at all these people texting. And I'm thinking, man, you, you do realize this is six lanes? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know I live in Jemison, so I'm not conditioned to hold this all the time, but you do realize there's a lot of cars out here. And, and, and um, we uh, went over to Marietta to buy a car for Michelle, and uh, she saw a line she wanted. And so we, uh, he was texting, and I got in front of him, and I said, you see that? She said, yeah, look. She said, he's, he's barely looking at the road. Then I got a little bit ahead of him. She said, look in the rearview mirror, and I did. She said, look at the front end of his car. She said, he's texted before today. <laughs> and it was an Avalon, which is what we bought. And, but she, uh, uh, there wasn't no front end. Just a couple bungee cords, just kind of trying to hold a hood down a little bit. So the boy had texted before driving. I'm thinking, <laughs> what do you think? Now, uh, I got one more point and then we'll go. First Corinthians 15. Two minutes. 120 seconds after I find the scripture. So my living is relying on him, trusting in him. I I don't come from my strength because the Lord doesn't want you to. He doesn't want you to come to him with strength. Ephesians, so the, the, the scripture says the Lord is my strength. Amen. Ephesians 6 says be strong in the, in the Lord. So if you come to the Lord and say, I'm strong, but you're not in him, he can't work with that. That's right. But if you come and say, I can't do this, I need Jesus. Yes. Oh, you got heaven's attention. Yep. Everything in heaven's at your disposal. You say, well, I don't like the way that feels. Well, keep on doing what you're doing. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse... 34. Awake to righteousness and sin not. How do, you get, how do you get rid of sin? Get people awake. Talk to them about righteousness. Don't talk to them about sin. Talk to them about the righteous. So the Holy Spirit, I didn't finish that thought. He doesn't come to condemn you. He comes to convict you. Not of the sin so much, but he convicts you when, when you made a mistake, you sinned, you missed the mark. He convicts you of your righteousness. 
He says, you're righteous. You don't live like that. That's not who you are. You don't go those kind of places. It's because they do it, you don't do it. You're in sonship. You're the son of God. And he talks to you about your righteousness. So the more that you hear about your position righteous, that you are righteous, that I've been, become righteous with him, he that joined the Lord is one spirit with him, I identify myself with him in righteousness. I walk in the spirit, I don't have to fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I keep hearing this, all this begins to change my behavior because it starts on the inside. See, spirit people are spirit on the inside. You, you got to find out who you are in here before it ever happens out here.